how often do you oh. watch contemporary romantic comedies if they don't have sex scenes in them? Oh, no, yeah, I'm talking about, well, yeah, but, like, it, it's, they don't go into detail. Like, the ones that I watch, like, Knocked Up or, or 40-Year-Old Virgin or, or uh, uh, Life As We Know It. Uh, okay. I love that one. <laughs> Life As We um, Know It, I'll say, counts. I don't yeah. know that I would count Knocked Up or 40-Year-Old Virgin. Those As are romantic, romantic com- comedies. They yeah. are. They're just I, I do not raunchy think romantic no. comedies. I do Judd not think Apatow. so. It's Judd Apatow. It's Judd Apatow's flavor. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I've never seen them, but I've heard they're very fun movies. But I do not think that they count as romantic comedy. If you watch them, you, you'd think they count. They're just on an extreme level. <laughs> oh. friends future jenna jumping in here just for a couple of really quick trigger warnings in this episode as was last time there is just a brief mention of alcohol and then for the read itself in sharing some of the quotes or talking about it there is some i would say medium strength language so nothing too bad but just if that's something you're sensitive to be aware of that and then this book is about a three and a half or four out of five on the steamy scale. So there are going to be some more sexual scenes if you have not read it yet. And if you are listening to our discussion, we do talk about those as well. Not graphically, but just something to keep in mind. Now let's get into the episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our book club style podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dana. And I'm Jenna. Two high school friends reconnecting for the joys of reading. Now, our tastes and opinions may vary when it comes to a good book, but sometimes, just sometimes, we might be on the same page. Let's find out if we are. (laughs) Yes, welcome back. And everyone, welcome to our book discussion for the month of September. Had to remind myself that it's not October yet. (laughs) I I started thinking it was August again. I I did that the other day, too. (laughs) Part of the problem is I decorated for autumn very early. <laughs> so, oh, right, right, right. So I've had pumpkins around me forever. I need to kind of <laughs> remind myself to slow down that it's not October yet. Because uh, then but, it's Christmas. <laughs> yes. The day after October, I'm putting Bing Crosby on the record player <laughs> and I am decorating for Christmas. I have decided and I don't even feel remotely bad about it. Mm-hmm. But before we get too into our discussion, then go ahead and start us off. What are you drinking? Oh, we just had our fun obsession talk about it. The iced tea, but it is specifically the Arizona ginseng green tea. I want um, it so badly now. <laughs> for, for the YouTubers, here's my jug almost empty of it. For those who can't see, it's literally like there's probably one glass left, and it's one of those like gallon jugs. My mouth is, I'm literally drooling. Like I'm salivating thinking about that tea now. It's, wow, this is an issue for me. That's an addiction. <laughs> oh boy. What about you? I have rose again. I'm very excited to switch back into reds because that's just, it's a very fall and winter thing for me, is a nice. Yeah like full body red blend, just beautiful. Um, (laughs) But I don't really like drinking them when it's hot outside. 
because no. I don't like sweet reds enough to want to do that. And those are usually the only ones that you refrigerate. And I just, when it's so hot, I need something cold to help cool me down from the inside. And so I, I still have my, my white wines and my rosé for now, even though my head and my heart are fully in autumn. <laughs> I can't quite switch back over to my reds yet. Yeah, my mother's favorite wine, there's some of it in the fridge now. It's a giant bottle, but it's like a fizzy red ru- uh, fizzy red wine. It's like carbonated, oh, yeah. and so it's it's like a soda. It's and so carbonated. I, it no. tastes carbonated. <laughs> and so I just, I go in, I'm like, I'm going to have some of my soda wine. <laughs> just. <laughs> All right. So this month, go ahead and hold it up here. We read The Bromance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams. Oh, look at that thumbnail. All That's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had the same copy. We mentioned a little bit in yeah. the check-in episode, but we were very excited that we were able to get the same copy. <laughs> so, like I said, it is by Lissa K. Adams. Publisher is Berkeley Publishing or Berkeley Romance. Uh, year of copyright is 2019, so it just came out last year. And the... I believe it's the only edition, but the one that both of us have is Mm -hmm. 339 pages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, because that's how, when I was setting up my pace for the month, I was like, all right, let's let's make sure that 339 stays good. And, of course, I wasn't as bad as last time, but I have excuses this time. (laughs) (laughs) But really funny, actually, when I finished Bromance Book Club, totally random tangent, the next physical book that I picked up to start reading is also 339 pages. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, that's what, what are the odds? No. That's such a weird coincidence. 2020, what are you doing? Yeah. It's not like it's 339 and 340 or anything. They are both 339 pages. Right on the end. It was, it was just really weird. Okay. Well, do you want to read the back cover this time since I did it for the check-in and it was your pick? I sure can. Let's pull it back up here. My throat is like freaking out today. (laughs) All right. The first rule of book club. You don't talk about book club. Nashville legend's second baseman, Gavin Scott's marriage, is in major league trouble. He's recently discovered a humiliating secret. His wife, Thea, has always faked the big O. Stop laughing. <laughs> no, I just, I, I just, I just love that for the story. I just, I just love how ridiculous it is. When he loses his cool at the revelation, it's the final straw on their already strained relationship. Thea asks for a divorce, and Gavin realizes he's let his pride and fear get the better of him. Welcome to the Bromance Book Club. Distraught and desperate, Gavin finds help from an unlikely source—a secret romance book club made up of Nashville's top alpha men. With the help of their current read a steamy Regency novel titled Courting the Countess. The guys coach Gavin on saving his marriage, but it'll take a lot more than flowery words and grand gestures for this hapless Romeo to find his inner hero and win back the trust of his wife. (laughs) So why we picked this book, it was Jenna's (laughs) pick. Um, Essentially, it came down to we started off with a thriller, so let's kind of go opposite. Let's go a little more lighthearted. And so Mm -hmm. this was one that Jenna had really been excited about. She mentioned it to me. Yeah, this one had been on the backlist of my TBR list forever. And (laughs) 
obviously that's exaggerating a bit. It only came out last year, but it was one that being a part of the book side of Instagram, I see obviously a lot about books as they're coming out and even before they come out a lot of the time. Um, I have friends or follow people who will get advanced copies of a lot of these books. And so I got so excited about this book when it first came out (laughs) and I have no legitimate reason for why it kept getting pushed to the bottom of my TBR, but I just, it kept kind of getting pushed to the next month and I hadn't read it and I thought it would just be a really fun way. We had kind of touched on in the last check-in episode where the original idea for the podcast was that we were going to try and read books from a good number of genres and it wasn't just going to be the equivalent of a romance book club or a thriller book club or you know whatever right and so we wanted to make sure like you said it was a little bit more lighthearted than it was the last time and that I wanted to kind of see how you did dipping your toe into reading a contemporary yep. romance because you've never really read one before. No, uh, as I, I mentioned very slightly last episode that the, the biggest romance I read, anything that was actually considered romance was the Twilight Saga. That was it. Yeah. Um, anything else was a love Which story. I wouldn't with... even consider romance. It is, but it's much more, I don't well, know, it, it, the story it, it leans a... much more YA. Right, and, and that's so, the thing is, is I would read a lot of YA, and of course, there's always either a love triangle or a love story within those, yeah. and I would enjoy those. I do like those heartfelt moments, but I never was driven to go into my local Barnes and Noble and be like, you know what, it I want to read what this love story. It. No, yeah. and so I, I was a little reserved when you mentioned it, but then I was like, you know what, I was <laughs> let let's give it to her. We agreed on the first book. She gets this one, I'll get the next one. It's totally fine, and we can <laughs> figure it all out. But I have to say, right off the bat, uh, you picked a good one. I'm very surprised with how much I enjoyed this book. Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, um, um, so part of that, just kind of segue directly into, I want, before we discuss anything, before we get into questions, quotes, characters, anything like that, I want just a gut instinct Yes or no, did you, did we like it? So you yes. liked it. Yes. Yes, very much. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that would be interesting because I, I don't know, are you a part of, outside of obviously the podcast, are you a part of many book clubs? No, uh, I've never really done anything like that. I almost, in high school, there there was one with the library a little bit and I think I, I peeked in once um, and just heard, well, no, because I I remember the librarian talked about it and he talked about what books they read. Um, And so I was like, oh, kind of a fun idea, but I'd never in my life have ever been anything somewhat remotely like a book club. Sure. The reason that I ask, I've noticed, especially since I started my blog uh, and once I started actually reviewing books as I read them, uh, because even before I started, I loved reading. I didn't prioritize it as much as I do now because Same. now I have a reason to let myself read without kind of feeling guilty and feeling, yeah. 
kind of a part of uh, the hustle culture of the world right now where you kind of have to go, go, go. And so I've always loved reading and just loved books and tend to enjoy most books that I read just because I set out to like something. Right. But I have found that since I started reviewing books, I have to make a conscious decision if I am a part of a book club, even if it's a book that I, like it's the first book that I start that month and I finish it two or three weeks before the discussion, I have to kind of make a decision if I'm going to write my review right then and then just vow not to change it or if I'm going to wait and review it after the book club. So I always feel like after I discuss something with someone else, there's always things in any kind of book that you're not going to pick up or you're not going to think of or, you know, hits someone else differently than it hits you. Mm -hmm. And I find sometimes that can change my thoughts on it a little bit and even sometimes kind of change uh, what my rating for the book would be. And so I always kind of have to make that choice. And so I thought it would be interesting to see if before and after our discussions, if those changed at all. Yeah. And it's, and similar in the fact of, like I said before, I really fell out of reading as much as I loved it as a teenager. It just, it wasn't a priority as much as I made it Mm -hmm. out to be. And so finally, when I was like, I need to read, I keep building my library and I don't touch the damn things. And so I was like, this I don't is even be a... want to tell you how many books are on my shelves that I haven't read yet. I'm going to have the Beauty and the Beast library before I've even read any of them. Be still my heart. Yeah. And so I was like, this is an issue. And so I was like, I need to start reading more. I need to pick up. And so with this, I really feel like it puts me in a better rhythm. I'll be able to like we said, explore more genres. I'm not going to be able to just go to Barnes and Noble, pick what I know I'm going to like and walk out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick up something that I'll be like, all right, this is a choice. And then I have to see if it was worth it. And with Romance Book Club, it it, it definitely was. I mean, when I looked at the cover, I was like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) And so I was like, he He tried to talk his way out of it many a time. (laughs) I was like, this is going to be so cheesy. But uh, yes, gut reaction, really well done. I think eventually we'd probably read the sequels because there are two mm-hmm. well the third book hasn't come out quite yet no i think uh, it's just around the corner i want to say it's beginning of 2021 yeah mm-hmm. and and so i yeah, had I'm... that date in my head <laughs> and i i don't remember anymore because my then, brain but, is mush <laughs> but, but then the book is still going to just be on the back end of the list until until later up well we'll see one of my uh, really good friends, actually Nick's best friend's wife, she and I are, have gotten pretty close, uh, when she saw that I had finished reading this book, finally, because she also has a bookstagram account, she messaged me and she was like, girl, you finally read it, I need you to read the next book immediately, like oh, no. pick it up tonight, read it by tomorrow. <laughs> And I said, Dana says he wants to read it for the podcast, <laughs> and now I have to wait for Dana. And I was so mad. So uh, we may do that for February or something. Oh, yeah, we'll, February, we'll try we'll to get it early. probably want to do uh, a romance of some sort. Yeah. Or maybe once we get more into the swing of things, we can do two books a month. <laughs> if yeah, we well, can that's, that, that's what I ever was... Ever pressure I, Dana into it. 
Well, I did have that thought. I did have that thought. Eventually, you know, we could evolve to, uh, to doing oh, once more a week. than yeah, one, like it, like you know, yeah, once a week episode, multiple mm-hmm. check ins and multiple book reviews, and you know, I'd love to grow to that point. And so, because I will say, with with Bromance Book Club, I okay. felt myself picking up my reading pace. Even okay. um, I would have moments where I would just sit down. And next thing I know, I was like, I went through 60 pages. How the hell did that happen? I, was I like, love Usually... those nights. <laughs> Going off on another tangent. It was such a good day yesterday, but I ended it with a nice relaxing bubble bath. So I was like in the bubble bath and I always uh, read a book. I typically read whatever my ebook is that I'm reading in the Kindle cause right. I, or in the bath because I don't want to risk dropping a book in the bathtub (laughs) so I started reading this book and by the time I went downstairs I was like I have read about a fourth of this book (laughs) so the story of bromance book (laughs) (laughs) um simply as as you got from the back cover um Gavin discovers the horrifying truth that his wife has been faking it in bed for the three years of their marriage And and he does indeed handle it very bad very very poorly i (laughs) and it's just it's awful and out of that burning down of that relationship she asks for a divorce and simply put a lot of his buddies happen to be a part of that secret book club and are like Mm -hmm. hey we're gonna guide you to save that marriage Um, and he basically does this thing where after that again these men that are in this book club have read so many romances they are like, okay, we know what to do. We've seen this before. This <laughs> always works. And so they basically convince him to slightly force his way back into the house with her because he's moved mm-hmm. out. He's moved into a hotel at the beginning of the story. And she comes to him and says, I want to keep the house because she comes from a broken family. And she knows how important having the house that they grew up in will be to the girls later on. And so that's her one thing is she says, I want to keep the house. And he, the way (laughs) that they have him go about it is slightly questionable. And we'll kind of go into that. But he kind of, in a way, threatens her with a really messy divorce that he knows she doesn't want for her or for the girls to experience Mm -hmm. and says that he's going to move back in and try to win her back and if it doesn't work then he will move out he'll pay off the house for them he'll pay whatever she wants in child support make it really easy basically no lawyers involved and (laughs) so she agrees but they each have some conditions and i actually wrote what each of them are down Mm -hmm. because i thought it would be interesting to kind of see what we thought of the differences in their conditions and what that is so thea what she says is she sets a deadline for christmas uh it's just before thanksgiving at the beginning of the story so it's barely over a month yeah of time it's i want to say five weeks i -hmm. think is what yeah yeah. He he says five weeks And so she sets a deadline for Christmas and says anything longer than that will be too hard on the girls. And so they agree to that. He has to sleep in the guest room. Mm -hmm. uh, So he can't be in the room with her. Her sister Liv is also going to stay at the house and she's going to move into the basement. 
and it's not expressly said by her in this moment, but she kind of infers and then it becomes more of a rule later that he can't say the words, I love you, Mm -mm. which I thought was really interesting. Um, Which also works out because one of the first lessons that the guys give him is they say, clearly she doesn't want to hear it. There's mm -hmm. something behind that. So you have to show it. There's a way to say, I love you without saying the words. I love hearing the words. I love you. But feeling that someone loves you is just so much more beautiful, I think. Something so subtle, it just yeah makes your heart sore. (laughs) It really does. But anyway, and then the other side of that, Gavin kind of goes back to his hotel, thinks about it, and comes back the day that he moves back in. And his conditions are that they have to, together go to the Christmas party for his baseball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they once a week have to have an official date night. Just and the two of them? No just chauffeurs? Just the two of them. Uh, no kids. Nope. Nothing. And it has to be, he considers it like a real date night. It can't right. be going to the grocery store or uh, doing anything that, unfortunately, sometimes married couples it does turn into a date night because it's the only time you get together especially some of my friends that have kids i know that can be the case so it has to be like a full get a babysitter go on a date once (laughs) a week they have to kiss goodnight and then again it's not stated as a rule but later on uh, it kind of becomes part of the deal that every night they will read a book together in bed yes. like he'll read it out loud to her which because they used they did it before in the early days of their relationship and when was... she was pregnant i think yes and we will get more into that later <laughs> needless to say i loved that <laughs> yeah um and and with the whole going into those conditions even with how gavin started with the moving back in as you say it's very forceful and the threatening aspect of it like the threatening the messy divorce yeah. um it's it's not just him it is from the book they're reading because as mm-hmm. you see gavin does some very literal interpretations and sometimes some copycats with what he's reading in the romance book yeah. that the book club is doing and so he realizes he has things that can match up to that and let's see if it works and while yes it does work that's where i had my problems with gavin in the beginning i told you in the check-in i did not find him sympathetic it just his introduction he was whiny he seemed bratty and it just seemed like he didn't care and i get mm. that it was shortly after things had fallen yeah but it was just i was gonna say they, he is sympathetic but to an extent he's yeah. not someone that you are reading and you immediately want to be friends with them yeah it know? was for a while in the book i did not see the effort i did not see that he actually wanted her because he loved her i saw he wanted her because he just didn't want the family aspect broken Mm -hmm. and so i found it hard accepting when he would do some of the copycats he would say some lines from the books Mm -hmm. and it just felt like a it felt like a lie it felt like cheating i was like i feel like he's not truly in it but then it got to a point where that flipped for me. The switch did turn on where I did feel he was in love with her and he did want to save this marriage. And I think it was actually when it was one of his reactions with his uh, interactions with his daughters. 
to see the daughters, the sweet baby angels. Oh my god, they're to so see cute. <laughs> Amelia and Ava, they're twins, mm-hmm. and to see they're three years old, and to see how he loved on them, and the hurt he felt that his relationship was broken for his faults, yeah, and how it would affect them. That's when I finally grew sympathy for him, and that's mm-hmm. quite a ways into the book when it finally gets to that point. And that I think is purposeful. Um, right. It's kind of we've talked about the last five years before the mm-hmm. musical. For those of you who aren't theater people, it's a musical, <laughs> uh, and this tangent is not actually going to be all that necessary, but I'm going to have it anyway. So that show basically takes place over five years and shows a relationship between a man and a woman from their first date to when they get married and then to when he leaves and they inevitably get a divorce and it's over the course of those five years. Um, And his story throughout the course of the show moves forward. So it goes from first date to ending and hers moves backwards and uh, goes from ending to first date and they kind of just meet in the middle. Uh And I felt like almost emotionally you were doing that same kind of thing with Gavin and Thea because in the beginning of the story, Thea is very much the character that you want to side with. She is the big, strong woman, don't need no man. Like she's standing (laughs) up for herself. She is very much the sympathetic character that doesn't need your sympathy, which I really loved about her. Um, and he, again, like you said, was kind of difficult to feel sympathy for in the beginning. And then as the story goes on, it kind of switches almost. I still liked both of them by the end of the book. Uh, and the ending is very sweet, but other than the last, like the epilogue, uh, Mm -hmm. I would say that the last half of the book kind of flips and you feel much more sympathy for Gavin than you end up feeling for Thea. Well, cause, and that's what I loved that, uh, Lisa did was that cause the book is third person. It's a narrator. Um, but when she follows a specific character, she does switch whose mentality we're focusing on. So that's so pretty like, common with, uh, contemporary romance that you'll okay. get the male and the female perspective yeah, or I've, the whoever the two leads are it's pretty common right. that you'll get both because usually with something like that you know I, it's more obvious and makes more sense when it's like first person switching characters like because authors will literally do that where chapters are different characters point of view yeah. but this being from a narrator and still i still got the feeling that i'm switching whose mentality you're following I really like that because it would be mm-hmm. in the middle of a chapter. We'd have, you know, we're following Gavin and all of a sudden we're following Thea and what's her yeah. side of it? And there the, is, for people who haven't read it, there is a page break in between any time they switch. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's mid-paragraph. You'll know no, when no, it's no. happening. And I didn't want that it, to sound no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> confusing for people. Yeah, just, and she changed. Um, but, and, and I just, and I loved it because I, I, I could, I could feel it like even just whatever the first line or first few words were even without saying the characters names because sometimes Mm -hmm. it would start that way when it would just continue after that break I knew I was like oh let's see what she thinks about it or how is he feeling in this situation and so she she really made me grip to both and as you said 
they both end up sympathetic in their own ways and they're both also hard to love Mm -hmm. in their own ways because they're both very flawed realistic characters stubborn yeah they're very stubborn very stubborn individuals i love in books when none of the characters are perfect people you know and that's very much the case with this Except for the two daughters. They are sweet baby no, yeah. and I love them so much. I want to be their friends. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I agree with that. Uh, it, it is, it's perfect at how imperfect the characters are. Right. Um, because even the it's friends, tr- like even secondary characters. <laughs> yeah, we'll get yeah. into the friends. Uh, and I think just my last bit for focusing on Gavin and Thea is that uh, because with Thea's side is that Gavin, you know, gets to the point where yes, he loves her and he wants her back and he's trying his hardest. Thea, for a long while puts up a wall and Mm -hmm. it's a little unfair because even when she agrees to those conditions in the situation of okay you've got a month to win me over go for it she's like but i'm gonna put on all my weapons to fire back and not let this happen right and i think that's a little bit of all's fair in love and war like if you are really going to try so hard to win me back it's not i'm not gonna make it easy for you like you have to prove yourself which i get that part of it but it is, you can very much tell that she, at first, is not willing to be won back. Mm-mm, not at all. Um, and even though there's like, difficult. even even though there's slips and moments and you're like, ah, ah, ah. And then she's like, no, get the fish hook out. we're done. tension. <laughs> oh, and then I think the last thing we'll talk about for how the story goes out. What's also great is every few chapters, you actually read the Regency novel he's reading. Yes, so that was one of these. I did write down a couple of um, book club style questions to Mm -hmm. kind of bring up and discuss. Um, And that is one of them. What did you Mm. think about the book within the book? Uh, Interesting. Uh, It it was a little on the nose sometimes because uh, some of the passages that we as the reader would read would be either what just happened or... Yeah, it's very one-for-one comparisons yeah, where the I, exact same conversations are happening. Yeah, and I feel like, and that's also just on Gavin's fault for copying the book he's reading. Yeah. And I maybe think you should what, read the whole thing before you do that. Make sure it exactly goes your way. I think what would have made it a little bit better with that is if maybe some of those passages were slight hints of maybe situations to come between Gavin and Thea. Okay. Um, and so almost like we read that, and I was like okay that was a passage and then like when we got to the point it would have been like oh so that's what that moment between the fictional so using characters it more of foreshadowing than yeah using if there was more for comparison yeah because it was like i'd read the scene with thea and gavin or the other way around first and then the next scene would be the same exact thing i'm like i get it it was like that was the plan and so yeah. it was sometimes they're just a little too heavy-handed on that but i did like the idea of this is this is the text this is the lessons he's learning because mm-hmm. even then when some of them were before what gavin was going to do you kind of enjoyed being like oh i think i know what gavin has up his sleeve now and yeah. so that did help it but those some... were more fun i think too, yeah. <laughs> where it was kind of hinting um one thing i do want to say really quickly is the book club they're not all reading the same book at the same time like we are or like a more traditional book club would be they do when he joins the book club they pick this book specifically for him to read for his situation Mm -hmm. and i think that's 
kind of important just because it's not accidental that all of these scenes are exactly the same and it's right. not coincidence that they're reading this book and he's like this is just like my real life <laughs> no, they picked this book because the male lead in the book is going through the exact same things as gavin and I- and I think it's fun when it gets to the point where even Gavin stops going for advice when he starts to come up with the plans on his own. He mm-hmm. starts to get that confidence and you can tell. And then when he goes back to the guys, they're like, wait, you did what? No, no, that was good. That, that, that was good. And, and, and yeah. it's just, So like moving into the side characters, uh, the crew of book clubbers, we've got Dell, his best friend, who's a teammate. We got Mac and, um, and we've got just He's a few fun, others. Those are the two main ones of the, of the side characters. Yeah. Um, Mac is kind of like, I, I, I was still kind of confused when I read it. He wasn't a team member. What was he? I guess I had lost it in the he beginning. Just, he is not on the baseball team, but not everyone in the book club no, no, is. No. It's just kind of, again, from the back cover, it's the quote unquote alpha males of the city. Yeah. So I think they said there are like politicians in there. Uh, yeah. One of them is a rugby player or a hockey player or something. Uh, so other sports, uh, Mac, I want to say is a like nightclub owner. It's like an entrepreneur. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, that that makes sense now because it, so it was so just like so... big wig guys in the town that are very much the I'm the man here. Yeah. So Max, the guy who's always pulling Gavin's leg and makes light of the situation, but flirts with all some, the wives. Yep, but there are some there are some heart moments with him that I did appreciate, so that he's not just that mm-hmm. kind of ass. And so I in did the group. like him a lot, honestly. He can be kind of an ass sometimes, mm-hmm. but he is very much. He, I felt like he was just kind of young. He seemed mm-hmm. young, and like maybe he just needed structure you know like not a full disciplining but he needed (laughs) some structure to what he was doing and to know what he couldn't couldn't say maybe what he shouldn't say yeah and then and Dell was kind of the leader of the book club it felt like Mm -hmm. in in that situation and he was because he is gavin's best friend he was the one who was just easy like all right here's what we're gonna do here's what we're gonna discuss very much taking point yeah, um, yeah, the wingman. Um, and then as we said, the daughters, uh, Ava and Amelia, just cute children, just lovely and yeah. smart. They're so empathetic. <laughs> and I just, oof, I have always been a little little empath over here. And that was just <laughs> like so good for me, especially Ava. But both of them to a certain extent are just, they feel the emotions that their parents are feeling throughout the whole course of the book and are like reacting to it and talking to the parents as if they're adults and they're like yeah they're 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 three they're three (laughs) i loved it i loved them so much yeah and that was the thing it was like and you felt that you know ava was the one because she's the she was the first twin so the 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 designated big sister um (laughs) she was the one really picking up on the situation because you saw moments where it's like if Gavin and Thea were in a room together, she would take mommy's side. And there were times where Gavin would try to reach a hand out to his own daughter and it was just a little hard, but she still loved him. And so it was fun to see that. Uh, We got Liv, Thea's sister. Yes. Tell me your thoughts on Liv. She pissed me off a lot, but she had points. (laughs) She had points, but it was just, she meddled when she didn't need to. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand she's there to support her sister, but because of the backstory, 
I, I mean, it's because of the backstory she has with her sister, their family situation, which we'll, we'll leave untouched for readers. But it's just, she feels so yeah, protective. Yeah, because they don't really talk about that much until the no. end. She feels so protective of Thea that she she chooses to be a thorn that constantly stabs Gavin in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes it's just not your business. And um, she yeah. she got a little light for me at the end, that, that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for a lot of the book, I did not care for Liv. <laughs> so I liked her enough. I didn't love her, but kind of like Mac, I feel like she... So she's the younger sister between she and Mm -hmm. Thea. And with, again, their family situation growing up, kind of how they grew up, they, you get the feeling that they kind of feel that they raised themselves and each other. Mm -hmm. So you, characters with that type of background have a lot of independence. They are usually very stubborn, uh, which we definitely see with both of them a lot you get that really sharp tongue, which you do see a lot with Liv. Um, I will say I did. I, I, but some of the parts that did make me laugh were some of her sarcastic comments Ooh, to her Gavin. one-liners were good. were great. When those they were those on, were the moments. Were good. <laughs> those were the moments where I was just like, I was like, get. I was like, leave the room. You're not a part of the situation. And she'd leave saying something. I was like, okay, that was funny. Yeah, and so I did like her. It just, she, again, felt like she was pretty young, where um, sometimes in books and movies, you will meet a character where they act a little bit childish or immature, and their excuse is that they didn't really have much of a childhood. I feel like she had a little bit of that going for her, where she, they keep talking about the two of them against the world, because that's very much how they felt growing up. Uh, And so they've kept that mentality. They have grown very dependent on each other throughout all of these years. And I think that the idea of losing Thea to Gavin, if it wasn't going to be the right thing, in the way that Thea might be losing herself, was the greatest loss that Liv could imagine. And and I understood that where she thought Leah she thought Thea was going to lose herself for uh, because a lot of the trauma comes from their parents and what that relationship was like and so something that's constantly brought up is that Thea doesn't want to be like her mother mm-hmm. and so Liv was afraid that that's what was going to happen she's going to fall into her mother's shadow and so she would constantly throw that though at Thea's face and yeah. it just almost and, in a malicious way. It yeah, wasn't I'm... an intent, but the way that she was phrasing it and the way she was um, kind of bringing up old scars, it just, mm-hmm. it ended up being a lot of the time very hurtful for Thea. And it crossed a line past supportive. Just so she could get her way because she believed that Gavin wouldn't wasn't good enough for her. Yeah, and so She had made up her mind and she wasn't going to let him convince her or her sister otherwise yeah and so she had spunk i'll give her that but it a lot of the time i was just like please leave (laughs) i was like i'm done with you i was like i want to get to gavin and thea because the with thea being so stubborn and putting up the wall and trying not to let gavin win that Mm -hmm. already felt like enough of an obstacle for gavin as a character so with Liv being this devil on her shoulder essentially 
like half devil half angel on her shoulder Mm -hmm. it just it just seemed like one obstacle too many i think for gavin just that it was like he didn't need this this outside antagonist sure really i i guess it did work in the fact of of a reminder of his mistakes because that Mm -hmm. helped because gavin still really fully didn't get the the full grasp of what his issues were until about the last third of the book and so she would constantly throw things and those would i think be the small breadcrumbs and pebbles to make him realize himself mm-hmm. which i think is some of the best effort she was that... a really important part to not just the story as a whole a whole excuse me but to thea and gavin's story she yeah like you said she was kind of throwing a lot of little insults or planting little seeds of doubt in Thea's mind, things like this that did end up being kind of the ways that they found themselves in the end, which yeah. was really interesting. And so I think overall the cast of characters are, are nicely varied in mm-hmm. the personalities and what they bring to the flow of the story. Um, and I don't think <laughs> that anyone was unnecessary or out of no. place. Which no. I liked. Uh, if anything, even some last-minute characters, I think, worked as they were closure moments. Yeah. And so you know which one I'm talking about. I sure do. And, and so... The one that is there for a chapter. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. sometimes... No, just overall, the characters worked well for me. I know it may be sounded like I wasn't a fan of them all, but I was. It was that Gavin and Thea are the most stubborn individuals, but you love them and hate them. And as the story continues, you grow to understand them both to the point where you're just like, just come, just come back together, please. Like, I I'm kind of love a stubborn, <laughs> a stubborn character or a pair of characters because then you get a lot yeah. of that sassy banter back yes. and forth, which I just like, I Liz- eat up in a Liz- romance. Liz- I live Liz- for the sassy banter. Lisa's dialogue with some of these, I... Like I said, since I don't read a lot of romances, the most is seeing some rom-coms. I felt like this would have been like something I would have watched as a miniseries or a comedy special or something just because some sure. of the throw lines, I literally stopped and had to do a double take because all of a sudden I stopped reading and started laughing and I was like, what? wait, what did oh, I'm just so say? excited to get you so, into more contemporary uh, romance. We're going to turn so. you into a romance reader yet. Um, yeah. Before we get too far away from talking about yeah. the characters... I do want to ask another one of my book club questions because it does relate. And this is not necessarily a book club question for this book, but I do think it will be interesting. So have you read the description for the sequel? Oh, I read a little bit. The the only thing I know, surely, I did like a kind of a quick read. The thing I took away was that Mac comes back. So it's, so it's, it's not really a sequel, but it's like these books are kind of like they're chained by the grouping characters. Yeah, which sometimes those are my favorite sequels. Yeah. But so the second book in the series, uh, Undercover Bromance, is following Mac and Liv. How do you feel about that? Do we think oh, that that is earned? Oh, 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 there oh. in this book is one scene where they interact and Mac is very much the character where like he's a part of this book club he reads romance he's this uh entrepreneur guy he is the whole package and he knows it he's very suave like i said earlier he flirts with all of the wives 
and they all end up having these like little butterfly moments with him so he <laughs> kind of knows his way around flirting and his way around women and in this book there is only one scene when you see him interact with Liv, right and I but it is very forgot. much she looks at him and shoots him down immediately and he gets very flustered and tongue-tied and it's a very cute moment because we've seen him be this very suave confident guy the whole book but well yeah and all the all the guys are in the room and they all take note they're like brayden mac just got shot down and yeah. they all just like they freak out <laughs> yeah at which point even before reading the description of the sequel i was like that's your sequel but as someone who doesn't necessarily automatically think that way the way i do do you feel that the next story being about the two of them has been earned well i will say that that's something i did notice about this book is that it felt like there were a lot of these setup things that were just let go and i didn't even think about it's the idea like that these were serious well right i didn't actually think of it as that way because when i had skim read the synopsis all i thought was okay so each one is just going to be an adventure because of the bromance book club funny enough so it didn't even come to mind that some of these things that were just funny little scenes that you were like i kind of thought there would be more to that oh no there is that's its own book and that's going to be its own book so i i didn't realize that that's how this is going to play out so good on her for plan planning that out um i think i'm interested because yes when i watched that scene i was just like there's there's got to be more to that and i just completely forgot because we went back to gavin and thea um and even uh alexis a character barely mentioned uh mm -hmm. i think she i think she's also a part of that story from what i saw in the uh the synopsis alexis is just a friend of lives who owns a cafe yeah. uh, that's opening and so she's we don't she's, really learn much about her but i i no, hope she, that we do in the next one i'm sure that we will she, she seems like if not a best friend then a close friend for Liv. yeah she shares like two scenes at like yeah. moments with thea and Liv, and then that's it yeah she's um, mostly a tertiary background part of those scenes too um, as of believing if it's earned mm -hmm. uh, for me it, uh, i feel like it wasn't enough of weight in this first book to be mm -hmm. something that i think was earned but i do think as okay we hinted at this and this is just going to be our concept for another bromance book club adventure sure i'm yeah. down <laughs> and that's kind of again it's not the norm as far as all series of contemporary romance are like this, but it is fairly common in the sense that typically a romance story has some sort of beginning and then it has an end. Like yeah. they get together or they don't get together. So a lot of series like this will do that where then it will be the best friend's turn that you had a little bit of a chance to fall in love mm -hmm. with in the first one and now you get to learn all about her you know whatever and i actually tend to really like those types of series so i'm really excited maybe it'll make me like live more i think it will <laughs> i th she oh. is just difficult getting her in small doses i think because like you said we get a couple of really heartfelt moments with her and we know that her heart is always in the right place throughout this mm -hmm. whole book but i think that having a story just about her journey and what she's mm -hmm. going through and getting to see into her mind a little bit as well 
will get more doses of her heart as well as her sass and her stubbornness. So I think that you will like her better in the second one. Yeah, because I'll say like out of out of the two sisters when they came out of their horrible upbringing, their their bad past, it's it's almost like Thea was the broken down shield where Liv was the the sword that tried to fight back or bite back. Mm. She and her sure. defense was attack, and where Thea would just keep putting up the wall and would just take the crap over and over again. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to talk about the other couple book club questions I have, um, let's talk about favorite part. So your favorite scene or we'll say one or two part or scene, uh, favorite character. And if you had any favorite quotes or anything that you wrote down, I wrote down a couple, but not as many as I did last time. <laughs> um, for me, favorite scene, I think would have to be Gavin's epiphany. Okay. The, uh, he and Thea have another argument and that's all I'll say. And he goes off to kind of cool down and he ha- finally has his realization moment of what are, what is his fault mm-hmm. and what is his baggage. And that is a really good scene. I thought it was really well written. And it was, it's when he goes back to her to tell her what that is that I thought was really well done. I thought mm-hmm. it was very sweet. And that's sort of the turning point and the tie to maybe better things. And so I really enjoyed that scene. Um, that's one of the first times you can tell that even it's a romance. So to a certain extent, you know, they have to get back together in the end. Right. Yeah. And that is one of the first moments where you as a reader can kind of take a quick breath and say, mm-hmm. yes, if and when they get back together, it will be better. It will be moving forward, which I really like. It was finally the moment where I felt Thea's shield drop, finally. Mm-hmm. And it was I was just like, thank you. Like, because prior to that scene, it was getting chipped down, but that was finally the, she dropped it. And I was yeah. like, thank you. <laughs> so I, I, I really liked that. Favorite character, I will just have to say Gavin, just because he is, even though he and Thea are a duo, I just feel like Thea's stubbornness to the end got irritated me a little bit more mm. than Gavin's thick-headedness. Sure. <laughs> and so, because that made him a little bit more of a lovable goof, where Thea, I felt sometimes, was being difficult on purpose. And so okay. I... But I did love her as well. But it's it's their kind of combined together as I like them when every scene with them together was mm-hmm. really well written and just the, the growing of the story. Yeah. But if I had to choose between one, Gavin's a little higher on the tier. I'll kind of jump on to that as well. So for my favorite character, that question was honestly really difficult for me uh, just because I think that it's much more of an ensemble book than you would think it is. You would think that the main two characters in the relationship are the characters and then they're secondary characters. And while that is true, it's much more of an ensemble cast. And again, there were no perfect characters. They were all flawed. They all had parts of their personality that I didn't love or didn't quite gel with. I would say that their relationship like Gavin and Thea together when they're good is very much my favorite it almost their relationship as a character itself when it's good is 
beautiful. Um, yep. I think that of the two, Thea might be my favorite, just <laughs> partially because I love watching the scenes of her being so strong and standing up for herself and mm-hmm. getting that closure, all of these things. But I actually, I wrote Dell down as my favorite overall character, <laughs> which again, he was the best friend that was kind of nudging the Gavin and kind of leading him through up until Gavin was standing on his own feet. Uh, I just, he's really fun. You don't see quite enough of him for him to annoy you if some of the other characters are bugging you or not your favorite. You don't quite see Mm -hmm. as much of him, but the scenes that he's in are so funny and their friendship was just, it was really good for me. So I actually, (laughs) as far as a singular character, I wrote down Del. Yeah. Uh, For favorite line... If anything close, I'll just kind of say it's like my like a secondary scene that had some good throws when Thea finally lets Rachel have it. Mm, yeah. Like I, I just applauded good. like Go Rachel for you. Thea is a part of the group of wives and girlfriends for Gavin's baseball the team. The Wags. The Wags. <laughs> um W A G and one of them is very much the like Regina George of the group is so proud and has worked her whole life to be a baseball wife and is just the like rich wife mom that she's the mom that shows up to the PTA meetings with all the snacks and the printouts and she's like oh I look perfect but it's fine and like her kid has all the organic snacks and the uh, cucumbers with the little star shapes cut out of them like she is that person that you just kind of love to hate and you want to be but she's so rude that you're just like I can't do it with you she's that person and yes there's a scene where Thea just kind of gives her a whole Everything. piece and a half of her mind, and it is beautiful. <laughs> We're going to have a Regina George in every book, I guess. Well, there's um, always one. <laughs> but there's I'd say my one. favorite line, anytime the British voice in yes. Gavin's head would curse. It's very good. Because Gavin asks the group at one point, and they all say, yes, there will be a point where you suddenly hear the British protagonist talking in your ear. And it's finally From like... From courting the Countess, the book that he's right. reading. Yeah. And giving you advice. And so later, all of a sudden, there's this make-believe voice in his head that's just the advice and the consciousness taking manifesting as the character it's from the book. But every time Gavin... Every time Gavin thinks of a curse in his head it's this it's the old timey worded curses like it, like boggle oh like boggle coddle or something was just <laughs> as, not as far as like a scene but a device in the book that was just yeah. chef's kiss beautiful that was and so just, good for me i hope that is still there in the second book when he goes to them and says <laughs> like I just keep hearing this voice. They're like, oh yeah, you eventually get to that point. Like so nonchalantly, like it's not a mental thing oh, yeah, that's wrong with any hear of them. British aristocrats. <laughs> aristocrats. My brain is in Disney mode. There you go. British aristocrats just 
speaking to you in your mind and yelling at you if you do something wrong. It happens to all of us. <laughs> and so anytime oh. the curses came out, it was just, they were so ridiculous. And there's even one time where, because it's always in Gavin's head, there's one time Gavin lets it out. And Thea's like, what? She's so confused. <laughs> but she, to her credit, she goes with it. Oh yeah, she does. She doesn't care. <laughs> She's like, I will ask about that later. <laughs> Which is, oh. oh yeah, beautiful. I didn't write that down, but that was one of my favorite devices in the entire book. <laughs> one of my favorite beats is just when he finally says it, because I saw the parentheses, it was like, oh crap, he said it. And it just, she, Thea's just like, uh, ignoring, Wait. ignoring, ignoring. <laughs> <laughs> Filing away, coming back to later. So favorite part, I really loved their date night that they went on. Um, I was stuck between that and the epiphany moment. Yeah. Just because that, it was such a long The epiphany is section. more of like a beautiful, heartfelt, like well-written portion of the book. It's the reward to the date night. Yes. But like we said earlier, with the kind of conditions that they each set for this, Gavin says that once a week they have to go on a date night. And we only see one of them. It's going to, it's the first one since this whole kind of experiment begins but the guys tell him how he needs to plan this date night not as something flashy not in something that he would have done in the past with her but something that would just be really meaningful and kind of go back to when we were saying he has to figure out what her preferred love language is mm -hmm. and her way of feeling that she is loved in that moment and so he blindfolds her so that they he, she doesn't know where they're going they go to basically michael's like this big <laughs> right, craft right, right. store and she gets to pick out crafting supplies which as a maker i was there like <gasps> i did a big like hair flip sigh moment it was beautiful <laughs> so he lets her go around this crafting supply store for basically as long as she wants to be there and pick out whatever she wants and then they and go to this and she even warns him she's like you realize in here like how full this car's gonna be and what our bank is gonna look like he's like it's fine i'm a baseball player it's fine yeah he goes <laughs> i was prepared for that and then they go to this nice dinner they get a beautiful quiet table so they can have these conversations just the two of them they go and they get to do some dancing while they're at dinner it was just it was beautiful and i, I think um, what i loved the best about the dance is because it was a club with a dance floor but they didn't go down they were still up in their their loft table area and they just yeah. waltzed by themselves and I was yeah. like, oh, that's, that's too sweet. <laughs> uh, and then I did also write down them reading together in bed. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily one part because they do that throughout, I'll say the probably last two thirds ish yeah. to last half of the book. But I just, I really loved that. I thought that was so sweet. And what a beautiful thing. When you are initially courting someone there are so many things that you do or say or things that you hide from your partner because you want to be mysterious like all of these things that rightfully so a lot of them 
as you go through the relationship, you get married, you have kids, all of these things, they kind of go out the window or they get pushed to the side, get closed into a drawer, whatever. And I thought it was just really sweet and a really beautiful thing to kind of pull one of those things out from when they were first nervous and courting each other Mm -hmm. and getting to kind of bring that back. And at the end of the book, there is some quick line about how after the fact and after Happily Ever After, they still read out loud together every night. And I just, I thought that was so very beautiful. Yeah, like I said earlier, with uh, Gavin was hard to be sympathetic, and and when he would copy from the book, not take from the book, I felt like it was cheating, the system cheating it himself and trying to actually be a better man. But that was where finally we actually saw, even though he still sometimes used lines from the book, there it was truly Gavin, yeah. being there and being attentive, which he hadn't been for the three years of their marriage, and so that was finally the the culmination for me of, all right, I'm rooting for him. All right, let's do this. (laughs) It was just so lovely. And then for quotes, I have two written down that are from pretty early on in the book. And I do have one, it's not really a quote. Thea, throughout the whole book, is kind of talking about how being in this marriage prior to asking for the divorce and him kind of changing for the better and her then changing for the better prior to that she talks a lot about how she was losing the parts of herself that she liked and who she was and she was kind of transforming into this baseball wife that she never sought to be and I don't remember if it was like a magazine or a blog or something online I don't remember but someone described her as wholesomely pastel which I just thought was so interesting and so funny. Just kind of like wholesome, sweet, girly, cute, like there, not going to offend anyone, but not going to be (laughs) anything special. And I just, I thought that was really interesting. And then the two quotes that I have written down, one is about the book club itself and kind of when they are explaining to Gavin why they're doing this. And one is when he is trying to be ashamed of reading the books with them. So the first one, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think they were both Mac. I think Mac said both of them. I didn't write down who said it. I'm fired. But (laughs) the first one says, We complain that women are so mysterious and shit, and we never know what they want. We fuck up our relationships because we convince ourselves that it's too hard to figure them out. But the real problem is with us. We think we're not supposed to feel things and cry and express ourselves. We expect women to do all of the emotional labor in a relationship. And then we act confused when they give up on us. Yeah, it, it was definitely Mac. And I just remember that because Mac played in public to everyone, he is the most douchey alpha male yet he had the best true insight out of yeah. all the members of the book club like i, I, was said, like, oh, I you... think the next quote is by him too it's just he has these really beautiful moments which is part of why i'm so excited about the second one book two <laughs> but i really loved this quote specifically because obviously i'm not gonna sit here and say all men are really terrible and this is true for everyone <laughs> I'm very happily married, so I obviously don't think that. (laughs) Sorry. I know, you're fired. No, but that 
is true of so many men right now just because of the way society treats women versus how they treat men. I, spoiler alert, am very much a feminist and, well, okay, I will say I'm very much a feminist with very traditional moments. I have moments where I'm like, but it's so sweet. But overall, and so the patriarchy, for lack of a better thing to say, I wasn't going to say it, but I just, whatever. (laughs) Society treats women a certain way, and a lot of the times it's fragile, and they need to be taken care of, and all of these things. But there is another side to that coin as well, where a lot of the time society is telling men that they shouldn't have these feelings. Crying is for girls. You're being, you know, a wuss. You're being a pansy. All of these things that it is so very healthy for anyone no matter what gender they are when they're born it's so healthy for people to be able to feel their feelings and express Mm -hmm. their feelings and that's something that just in my life I'm very passionate about again I identify a bit as an (laughs) empath and so I have a lot of feelings and I feel them very strongly and I'm someone who a lot has been told that I shouldn't be feeling those things and that I'm feeling too many feelings, um, even by people at one point very close to me. And so that male, female, other, whatever, that is something that is very important to me Mm. is people knowing that they should be allowed to feel their feelings and express their feelings and express how they are feeling about other people, how things are being put on them, any of those things. And I just, I really loved that quote for that reason. Mm -hmm. And I think because that standard is put on men so often and so frequently, even just by other men, there are dads (laughs) who don't want their sons to play with dolls because those maternal feelings of playing with a doll will make them feminine quote-unquote or whatever and so then it does leave women like the quote says to carry the emotional labor a lot of the time of the relationship where the men are expected to go to work bring home the bacon be the hunter-gatherer of the relationship and the women are expected to be the one feeling all of the emotions and having to kind of figure out the emotions for the men who can't express themselves and be the only one dealing with the kids, like all of these things that are not true for everyone, but are true for a lot of people. And so I just, I really, I loved that quote of them well, kind that's of calling how, it out. Yeah. Well, that's how Gavin is introduced right into the book club is when they tell him, they're like, okay, you're going to read this book. He scoffs and laughs. He's like, I'm not going to read this shit. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? And it's just, he, he, epitome of quote-unquote toxic masculinity he's like no Mm -hmm. this is bs and they're like we all have issues and we all fixed them because of this and and even then he's like wait you you and nessa and just like and and so and then it shows that there's also then that softer side of him because he immediately feels uh concerned for dell is like wait you and your but you and your wife are so perfect and he goes we weren't and this helped. And, and so... we're, no one is perfect. And I like that no. they kind of acknowledge that too. Like, none of us are perfect. None of our relationships are perfect. But opening ourselves up to feeling these things that we've been told we shouldn't be feeling 
helped us get to the place where we can be happy enough to seem perfect. Yeah. And then the other one that I had written down, again, is more of what you were just saying about when he's like, I'm not going to read this shit and all that. And again, I think it's also Mac. I'm fired. Last time I wrote down who said everything and I will do that in the future. I don't know why I didn't. Most of this Hmm. book I read in two or three sittings, but most of it was in bed. Yeah, I know. 2 (laughs) a.m. I'm fired. For for those of you who don't know, I was finally ahead of her. I was above halfway through the book. And then I read this book in two days. (laughs) She started so late. She sent me a picture. She goes, I'm finally beginning. And then I wake up the next day. She goes, you want to be annoyed? He goes, I'm going to finish before you. And I was like, Mario. (laughs) She she goes, you want to be annoyed? I'm like, what? And she goes, I read 200 pages. I'm like, I'm on 187. And so it was yes. just like, and then I later so that pissed. day, he was messaging me like, the f- the first date is so sweet, and I said, yeah, it was really sweet. And he goes, of course, you already got there. <laughs> it was very sweet, forty pages ago. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, and then this quote says, "Don't be ashamed for liking them." The backlash against the PSL is a perfect example of how toxic masculinity permeates even the most mundane things in life. If masses of women like something, our society begins to mock them, just like romance novels. If women like them, they must be a joke, right? Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Yeah. We have had a conversation before you and I, actually when we were first talking about the podcast and we were talking about Twilight, and Dana very innocently says, oh, well, oh, n- no, I remember it now. You were saying, oh, this new book comes out tomorrow and I'm really excited to get it. And I said, oh, what book is it? I probably know about it since I, (laughs) with my Instagram, am pretty uh, caught up on what's coming out and all of that. I know where we're going. Yeah. And he, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure you do. I slapped your hand a little bit. Um, And he says, oh, well, I don't really want to talk about it. It's a guilty pleasure. I'm not going to tell you. And it took me coercing him for about 10 minutes for him to tell me it was Midnight Sun, the new Twilight book. And he goes, well, it's just a guilty pleasure. And I did. Did I say guilty pleasure? You did. Oh, my God. And I felt a little bit guilty after the fact. But that's one of those kind of triggers to go way into a soapbox of mine right and i think that this quote is very much like that and um kind of spark notes version of it here i just think that the term guilty pleasure Mm -hmm. is stupid and we shouldn't use it because if it's something that brings you joy you should be able to see it or read it or whatever it is and feel joy there's so many things in the world especially right now, but even mm-hmm. before the world started falling apart and the past couple of years, the past decade, like there's so many things in the world that are not bringing people joy no. that if there's something Drop- that genuinely brings you joy, you shouldn't even jokingly feel guilty about it. And it just... Drop the guilty, just the pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> right. It just, it drives me crazy. And people who feel like they have to hide things that make them happy we were talking in the check-in episode about things we were watching i was very my husband and i are watching the real housewives of beverly hills right now when we want to watch something that we don't have to turn our brains on for and that's something that is dumb it's such a dumb show 
And it's not, I'm not learning anything. I'm not coming out better on the other side. I, nothing good is happening for me from this show, (laughs) except for the fact that we get to turn it on for an hour or two and not have to think about anything and just watch these people be kind of terrible people. And so I just, I really clung to this quote a lot because I think that guilty pleasures are stupid and it's just a pleasure. It's just something that you enjoy. Just own up to it. If you like it enough to like it and enjoy it and want to do or watch or read the thing, like it. <laughs> and so I clung to this quote and I thought it was really interesting that kind of like pumpkin spice lattes, like they say, things that are primarily, they're chick lit, which I hate that it's a term because if it's chick lit, it should just be literature. It should just be fiction. It's kind of like chick flick but the book side oh. of that. But all these things where they're like, oh, well, it's for girls. It's just, it's okay, sweetie. You can read a romance novel. You can read Twilight. But we're not going to let your brother read a romance novel or Twilight right. or whatever. And it's just, it's so stupid. And I hate our society so much for that. But it just, this was, I think, even more so than the first one. I think this is my favorite quote because it sums up so many of the things that I feel. (laughs) And now I'm off my soapbox again. Thank you for coming to my (laughs) TED Talk. (laughs) So getting back to the book club questions, I have two more. Okay. One. I have one and a half. Sorry. One of them was long enough that it went on to two lines, so I automatically, (laughs) in my journal, assumed it was two. So the last big one that I have is I thought it would be fun to get a male perspective on some of the advice that the men gave Gavin and kind of see what you thought about that. Well, like I said, constantly with the whole thing where, I mean, they even warn him, don't recreate the book, take from it. And so it's Mm -hmm. more Gavin's fault in the interpretation of that rule where, like I said, I just feel like it was cheating and not being himself, which was the whole point was he needed to finally open up, be himself and that would fix things because mm-hmm. uh, she wasn't open with him and he wasn't open with her. They were both missing that communication. Right. And so when he would say the lines that Lord Benedict in the book would say, I would just be like, it's not you, Gavin. Come on. And so they, though, with their advice, it was kind of interesting because they wouldn't fully give him the answers. Mm-hmm. Um They wanted him to do his own studying. Right. Do your homework. And so it very much was, look, there's an issue. You got to figure out the issue. Because the thing was, is uh, Gavin would not tell them what started the fight between them and all of this because he was embarrassed. And so they were basically working with breadcrumbs of how to help him fix his relationship. And they're like, you got to tell us what was the main meat of the sandwich. What caused the fall? Yeah. And so... I think that for the advice they give, it really was more of a, almost like a therapist, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give you part of the rope, but you got to reach for the other half. You got to reach I'm gonna for it. I'm going to give you just enough of a nibble for you to come exactly. out to more. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, so I thought it was fine in that aspect uh, with that. They were just kind of like, all right, you got to figure out on your own, but we're going to, we're going to help you. We're, 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 we're going to lift you up. 
but you got to take the first steps. Come on. What is, what is it? What, what's the issue? Yeah. What and is then the when next he finally step? got over his embarrassment and told and them the kind of uh, hit to his masculinity, I guess well, and that it, it was to... sex related, they are finally able to help him and he starts making these breakthroughs. Right. And, and it goes, and it goes back to your fun soapbox. It goes back to yes. the fact that he was afraid to tell them this because he was expecting all the guys to be like, ah, he can't get his girlfriend off. He can't get his wife off. He can't right. please his lover. And so, but literally what the moment he says it, they're all like, dude, that sucks. I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, and so, because they, of course, have probably been there. And so um, that was sweet and that was funny. And so it was just like, and he was even so taken aback as we, the reader, were, is like, they care. And so um, I think advice that they give, because it's not necessarily, I feel like it's not 100% advice because it it was more just like, all right, we're going to give you the blueprint. Mm-hmm. You, you got to do the rest. Yeah, the only full advice of this is what you're doing and you can't stray from this that they gave was things like start reading the book, don't go see your wife yet. Oh, yeah. Breaks that rule right off the bat. He does, yeah. He (laughs) doesn't listen to either of those things in the beginning. That's like chapter one. (laughs) They say those things. And then chapter two, he's like, Hi, honey. Throws it out the window. (laughs) Honey, I'm home. Honey, I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And things like, uh, they say you have to actually listen to what she's saying. If she doesn't want you to use the words, I love you, you have to respect that. And, you know, things like that. So I feel like, kind of like you said, they didn't give very many concrete pieces of advice as much as they gave kind of leadership to get to what he should do. Uh, But the couple of pieces of full advice that they did give are kind of just consent (laughs) moments more than anything else. Like, Hey, maybe if she's mad at you or she just asked for a divorce, don't run up and force yourself on her in a big old kiss. (laughs) Like maybe ask permission. (laughs) The grand gesture comes at the end of the story. (laughs) I did love that when they, he goes and before they even talk about him moving back in Mm -hmm. and that whole scene happens he goes and is just kind of expecting her to swoon and say, okay, well, you came back, so you can come back. Right. Uh, and does kind of push himself on her and just kisses her out of nowhere. And it takes her a minute to be like, hey, no, that's not cool, and kind of push him off. But she does eventually. And then he's telling the book club about it, and they all get so mad. They're like, I'm sorry, was it consent did you ask if you could kiss her or did you just surprise kiss her and he said well i guess it was more the second (laughs) one i guess it was maybe a surprise if she couldn't just read my mind (laughs) and and they do they're like dude big gesture at the end right now consent (laughs) my, my, my my favorite my favorite thing of Dell is throughout the book, he constantly says the quote, you fucking idiot. Because when he when he screws up, he and just he always, just always says it. And he's just like, it's whenever those moments where you know he screws up, the next chapter immediately begins with Dell and that quote. Yeah. Rightfully <laughs> it's like, so. All right, here's the slap across the back of the head. I stand by it. I'm team Dell. And then the only other thing that I had written down, it's not really a question, but I thought it was kind of fun. I wanted to just like dip my toe in, just kind of touch on it. For... 
romance novels of any kind, but specifically contemporary romance, there's a lot of tropes that they can fall into. And this isn't just reading. This is uh, movies. This is whatever, you know. And so there's things like the fake boyfriend. They're fake dating to have this happen. And then they start falling for each other for real. Or the... Uh, I can't think of any right now. The person who reads all of the romance ever. Again, brain, mush, <laughs> hi. Uh, but there's so many of them. And or like boy next door, um, brother's best friend, like stuff like that. There's so many tropes. And this one is kind of a second chance romance, which, mm-hmm. but it's a very different version of it, which I just thought is really fun. A lot of the time, a second chance romance trope is going to be they dated for, you know, a year in high school and then had this devastating breakup and now they're in their 20s and they have a second chance. Or um, they knew each other, they were best friends as kids, but they had this big falling out and now as adults, they come back into each other's lives. It's a lot of that, but I thought it was really fun and different and interesting to get to see the idea of a second chance romance in a relationship and situation that is technically still happening like they she's asked for the divorce and he has temporarily moved out at the beginning of the book but they are not divorced they are not years after seeing each other it's not even a month later. It's just a couple weeks after it happens, I want to say. And um, I just, I thought that was really fun. As the resident romance person, I wanted to kind of touch on that. Well, yeah, kind of like what I said uh, pre-show, I expected the layout a certain way when I started to read the book. And I was like, okay, these are the, the arcs we're going to go through. Rule of threes as such. And we didn't do rules of threes. It kind of was just rule of ones. It was like things just happened and the next thing happened. I was like, this didn't go as formulaic as I thought it would. Uh, And so I was actually very surprised by that and liked it. If anything, I just think it wrapped up very quickly. (laughs) And so that was kind of like, it almost seemed like she wanted to do the most formulaic thing and then decided not. And then kind of was just like, I got to end it here. Yeah, the resolution was a little bit speedy but not enough that it seemed out of nowhere so it didn't bug me too much (laughs) it was as if the characters had already won Mm -hmm. but then one little thing got thrown in and they're like okay we gotta fix that yeah and then that was it yeah all right so wrapping up yes overall thoughts and would you recommend it yes i would recommend it um for me, like I said, not being a big romance guy, like, I, I do love love stories when it's in, like, we mentioned earlier, YAs or any sort of book. If there mm-hmm. is a little romance thing, okay, I'll, I'll be okay with it. I mean, almost so, every story has some level of romance. Has something. <laughs> it's hard so, to avoid a lot of the time. Right. And, it, and it's enjoyable. This, I found funny, witty, the, the energy that Lisa has in her writing, uh, it constantly brings you forward. I, I will say it, it took me probably up until the second third before I was actually hooked into reading those bigger chunks where I was actually doing like 60 pages at a time yeah. because like the characters were just so stubborn and almost unlikable in that first third 
that once we got to a certain point, I was very much like, okay, I'm into this. And it was a sweet story. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very ridiculous in its concept that you just have to accept that and then everything else just kind of falls into place and works. Yeah. Okay. And I will add one small follow-up question to that. Would you recommend it to anyone or would you recommend it to fans of romance? Recommending it to anyone. I would say obviously anybody who likes reading romances such as yourself, you're going to love this book. Sure. If there's anybody like me who can be hooked by a love story, give it a shot. If there are people who, you know, cannot read anything other than Stephen King horror or, you know, action-adventure uh, sort of sci-fi fantasy epics and stuff like that, you know, maybe it's not your wheelhouse, but I'd say, like me, even somebody who looked at the cover and shrugged at you, like, seriously give it a shot because you might be surprised with what you walk away from uh, what you take away from it. It's not, it's not a bad book. It's a funny book. And like you said, there was just all these pieces. That I was like, these feel like pieces of a puzzle because she's got more out there. And so I'm actually excited. I was like, all right, I kind of want to read the sequels. I want to see where this goes. <laughs> well, we'll take it. I will count that as a win <laughs> for me. Uh, and then, I mean, I'll be pretty quick. I've, I've talked a lot about how much I liked it already. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I love romance. I love a good trope. Give me a Hallmark uh, Christmas romance movie, and I'm a happy girl. So I, oh, God. Um, <laughs> so I obviously loved it. Really thoroughly enjoyable. Can't wait to read the other ones. I'm going to see how early I can get my hands on a copy of the third one. <laughs> We'll see. Do you have the second one already? No, not yet. But if I can maybe convince the publisher that I need a, an early copy of the third one, I'll be like, bye, Dana, and I'll read the second one without you. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll let you know. <laughs> maybe that'll be our December book instead of a you Christmas opened, book. You opened up my literature world. You can't rob me of it <laughs> <laughs> You can read it on your own, you know. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I Obviously, I picked it this month to kind of mm. tiptoe you into the romance genre. It was kind of like uh, going down the steps into a pool instead of doing a cannonball. Like I was right. letting you get used to the temperature. And I feel like it's really good for that. It does have some steamier scenes. It is a bit steamy for those of you who haven't read it. Uh, I would say scale of one to five, I would probably say about three and a half, four, maybe, uh, for steamy level. For me, I thought four. Okay. I was leaning towards 3.5, so I don't know if maybe that's just because I read more romance yeah, as than someone, you do. As someone who's never really read something like this, for me, it was, it was a four. It could have easily gone to a five with some more descriptive words, but for me, it was right on the cusp. <laughs> it was not more steamy than you. It was just no. more consensually no. steamy than you. No. Um, but anyway, I think not it's a good all. way to kind of fuel it out and see if you can get into this genre. Uh, again, little, little bit of steamy scenes, kind of fun with that, kind of turning the trope on its head, getting a new perspective on it kind of it's there are scenes where it's almost farcical on romance novels because of the story and 
so while they are obviously taking it very seriously, again, you're reading chapters of this Regency romance novel in tandem with chapters of this story, and they're matching a bit. And so I think it is a really easy kind of gateway into the genre. So I would I would recommend it to people who are not romance people, but maybe want to try it, or maybe are wanting to do a book club with their girlfriend and they want a romance or, you know, yep. whatever the situation, <laughs> I think I would recommend it to non-romance readers. Okay. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, not really. It's well-written. I think if I have any critiques, someone edited it fast because I caught a lot of... That's my pet peeve with couple. books. There, that, there weren't if there's, too, too many. I've read books no. that were way worse <laughs> with that. If there's, if there's those little, like, it's missing a word or they misspelled or something like that, just there were some of those moments where it, it pulls me out. So mm. I will say but that. But we mentioned from... again in the check-in, this book only came out last year. The right. sequel came out early this year. And then the third one comes out, again, I want to say early next year. So they're coming out very quickly. So that might yes. be a part yeah. of that too. Well, and that's why I said, well, I will say, because that was what was funny is there was one line I wrote it down where uh, the Thanksgiving dinner. They, mm. they, they come in, and the ongoing joke I love in there was the the turkey fryer, and all the guys are like, "Oh no, Dell with the turkey fryer." That well, was very funny to me. <laughs> I thought of the scene in Gilmore Girls for any Gilmore Girls fans out there. Favorite show, hands down. Uh, <laughs> where Suki's husband. You don't watch Gilmore Girls, right? I've seen episodes. Do you know who Suki is, Melissa McCarthy? Yes. Her husband gets a fryer for a turkey one Thanksgiving and she is a professional chef and she's like this is such a bad idea it's such a bad idea so she sits there by herself with a pitcher of margaritas and she's just sitting next to it happening and she gets drunk enough at one point where she's like this is fine this is good (laughs) it's my favorite thing (laughs) and so the I loved it because every time one of the guys came in they're like where's Dell with the turkey fryer oh no no. they run to the back (laughs) but what bothered me was, like I said, I think it's just, maybe it's just fast writing on the author's part and someone just missed it in proofreading. But when then Theo walks into the house, she says that the house smells like the turkey in the oven. I was like, no, it's in the backyard in the fryer. Yeah. And that, so I was that like, could have been a choice. Um, maybe. If, like, I don't know. If it's a screen door <laughs> so that you can hear people right. outside, you'd be able to smell the turkey. Uh, didn't but she said specifically much, but... the oven. Oh well, no. Just, so for me, it was pet peeving. I caught a lot of. Uh, I caught a few of those. Like I'm just like I have to fix it, and so in my brain, and so <laughs> that's that's my biggest pet peeve of reading. I don't really have pet peeves with reading a book. It's either I like it or don't like it. For me, it's if I catch those errors. I'm like someone missed a word. <laughs> it bothers me. <laughs> oh boy, you are a tough critic. A um, well, I will say I don't have too many final thoughts. I got most of it out there. Uh, I will be obviously reviewing this book as I read it and it will go up on my blog. If it goes up by the time this video and episode are posted, I'll go ahead and link that in the description just for fun in case you want to take a look at it. Um, But it will, for the most part, be what we said here. Because I haven't read or I haven't written it yet, <laughs> it's possible it won't be up by then because I'm kind of behind on reviews. <laughs> but it's fine. So I guess we can go ahead and wrap it up. 
As far as social media, you can email us at any time at the same page pod at gmail.com. If you have any books you think we should read for the podcast, any questions, any collaboration requests, if you're an author, publisher, anything like that, or you have someone you want to put us in contact with, go ahead and send us an email there. Uh, I myself, if you want to reach out to me, I do, again, have a bookish blog. You can find that it has all of my reviews, my collaborations, tours that I'm on, anything like that at tacklingtbr.home.blog. Excuse me. Or on Instagram at tackling underscore TBR. And then for the podcast, there are a couple here, so just bear with me. On Instagram, we are at the same page pod, all one word. On Twitter, we are also at the same page pod, all one word. And Facebook and YouTube, you can find us both of those places just by searching the same page podcast. Yeah, and so with that, we thank you for tuning again into our book club style podcast. Our second book is complete. We went from thriller to romance. Nice big polar opposites, even though you was kind of like a horror romance. And so, oh, kind, kind, of, kind of like a blend Going genre. back again, there was a lot of missing consent there. I wouldn't say that it falls into no, no, romance. No, no, no. In his mind. Um, well. But yeah, we really enjoyed this book. I think we can officially say for this episode, we are on the same page. Yeah. Check back in again on the 15th of October, which is when our next check-in episode will be posted. We'll be talking about any current reads or watches at that time. And we will reveal what our next book is. Right now, the hint is just, it's Halloween. Yes, so prepare (laughs) for a spooky read. (laughs) All right, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.